0: Welcome, everyone, to another Data Stories podcast. This is Paul Meisty, I'm president and CEO of Lytics. We look to showcase stories that involve data and analytics, and we like to especially delve deeper into topics like machine learning and AI. And most importantly, we like to hear those stories from those who have been directly spending their careers doing these things, working with clients, working with data, building teams, educating others in data science, and even building companies around these technologies. So with that, let me introduce my guest today. I'm very excited to have Bryce Gartner with me. Um, Should be a real fun conversation. Let me tell you first a little bit about Bryce. He's been in the analytics world for about 12 years. And um, in that relatively short time frame, has held uh, C-level positions like Chief Marketing Officer, Chief Information Officer, Chief Experience Officer, Chief Executive Officer across a, a number of companies and a number of industries, including financial services and media and entertainment, sports, high tech, software, and consulting. And along the way, has uh, been involved with five startups. He tells me he's had a, a three and two record uh, with those five startups. It's a pretty good batting average, actually, I'd say. Um, currently, he is have a, a dual career guy. Um, he has uh, He's currently associate professor at Duke in the uh, Graduate School of Business. And also, Chief Experience Officer at the Cargo Agency, which is uh, how uh, I have come to know him. So, welcome, Bryce. Uh, great to have you here, and uh, I know it should be a great conversation.
1: Yeah, no, it's great to be here. I'm I'm excited. I know uh, in our conversations, it's uh, it's always good, and we always go on a go down a lot of different pathways. So,
0: yeah, always a lot of things to talk about when it comes to uh, data and analytics and machine learning. Um, before jumping into that. Part of our discussion, though, I did want to kind of ask you, you know, how are things going? As, as I said, I've got two jobs right now, essentially uh, teaching at Duke and kind of a leader uh, over a cargo agency. So, how's it working out for you? And then, what courses are you currently teaching?
1: Yeah, so at Duke, I'm actually wrapping up uh, the term. I uh, I teach data visualization and storytelling um, in the Masters of Quantitative Management program at the Business School. And so I only have uh, it's great because I only have graduate students who are very excited about what their Mm -hmm. what their future holds. And as it as it always amazes me um, that in a short term, they do all of theirs in a quarter structure Um, in a short quarter being about seven weeks where they go from really understanding the analytics and really understanding how they think about the math and how they can build models to how they can take that, the complexity of what they're doing there and how they can turn that into stories and visualizations that executives can really understand and grab a hold of and grab insights from and be able to make pivots in their business. And as I as all of them were wrapping up over the last week, their group final projects where they have to take some real world data and they have to present that as a consultant essentially um, to a role that they've selected, whether that's the head of supply chain, whether that's a manager of a facility, whether that is um, a chief marketing officer of, of a company that they've selected. And allowing them the opportunity to go out and tell those stories and to find insight, I'm always amazed at the level of work that comes back. It's it's just tremendous. And then at the cargo agency, um, where we are really focused on job number um, two. That's number two, right? <laughs> um, that's 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 the other job that I'm trying to do. Um, at At the cargo agency, we're really starting to see a lift. We work only we're really focused only with the biggest of the big companies helping those brands reach into um reach into and win the hearts and minds of small to medium-sized businesses you know it's where we're taking fortune 500 companies and helping them their commercial b2b side of the equation understand that small to medium business mindset so they can they can fortify their relationships increase sales and do those things as they're really starting to embrace on the marketing side a, a deeper understanding of of audiences of their customers really starting to tie the analytics together on that and and mostly with you know especially with the state of the economy being uncertain at best yeah. really wanting to create efficiencies and leverage the data to reach into their customers more effectively and, and that's what we're seeing you know we're seeing really strong opportunities with helping them create those efficiencies and understand what channels are working what part of their experience that they're they're sharing with their customers is is really showing the return on investment
0: yeah i mean that, that's really interesting and uh, I, you know, both of you Careers right now, if you want to call it that, really mesh together pretty well. And, and yeah. in a lot of ways, you're kind of reading my mind on, on some things um, you're mentioning with with cargo there. You know, with the economic outlook and you know how, how things have kind of uh, trended this past year and the outlook going into next year. Um, it's it, it, so many companies begin to pull back, and in, in a lot of ways, this is the time where you really need to be forward looking. You know, if, if there is a recession to come, you want to be ahead of the game on that. And analytics and data of course is a way to get you there. Um and then I was also going to comment with your um uh the students uh, that you're teaching the skills that you're teaching them you just described are uh, to me they're so necessary. I mean they've they've really been lacking for many years I think out in the marketplace and you know describing Things and easy, uh, you know, the results of analytics and easy to understand ways to business executives so they can get value from it. That's that's a really tough skill to come by, and if you're uh, having success with your students, that's that's great.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting because you have the students who are who are coming in and and they think about analytics the way a lot of times, probably you and I do. You know, hey, what are the models that we're going to build? What are we, you know, how are we going to put that together? And and the the benefit of what I'm um the way I'm allowed to approach it at Duke is really that I can kind of get them to take a step back, not just think about what what kind of advanced analytics they can do, what kind of models, what kind of algorithms can they put in place to solve some of these problems, but I get the chance to also get them to think about what are the right problems to solve right what are some of the key critical questions that are really going to have an impact on the business and get them thinking about those questions and then thinking about how once they've built a model once they've they've done the math what i call the math in the middle then how are they going to share that what's the what is the way that they can communicate that so everyone that needs to have those insights is is going to understand what they're delivering and what the art of telling that story looks like, and and they are they get so good at it, it's amazing to me.
0: And, and it's good to see that that's uh, taking a bit more of a forefront in some of the university settings. And when I was teaching at, at Johns Hopkins, um, you know, one one of the courses I, I took on was that, that kind of a course, or a consulting course. Students, you know, at Hopkins and Duke, of course, are great at. The math and the solving the problems and and the understanding it themselves, but translating that to somebody else—that that's a, a totally different skill set. And um, I, I think we need more uh, courses like that out there.
1: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, the NC State program is amazing. You know, I'm I'm so lucky to be in Raleigh, right, where I'm yeah. sitting here with Duke and NC State from an analytics perspective, both with such a focus, and 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 UNC's business school as well. I mean, it's 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 absolutely insane how. How all those programs really have have started to shift their focus,
0: and I think it's kind of a good segue to uh, something that we've talked about in the past. And I, I think be a interesting discussion is this you know, sort of the concept of finding you know, what we often call low hanging fruit in corporate analytics, um, and I, I it seems to be more common in recent years. And actually, I'm kind of thinking specifically about what I might call really really low-hanging fruit sort of like business challenges that have analytic insights and analytic solutions just just hanging out there waiting you know waiting to be grabbed just needing someone to take a look and see that connection a little bit of what you're talking about with the student see that connection between the data and the business problem at hand and do something about it
1: yeah um, and I, you know I, I think it's funny I've got I've got a handful of stories um of when I uh, you know running an analytics business growing it from the startup but then really getting engaged in um, some larger companies, um, helping them really uh, you know find a way to ask and answer some critical questions you know at, as we looked at analytics we were working with a, a a very large global manufacturing company in the in the auto industry and one of the things that um that we found with them, Was they were really struggling? They, you know, they manufacture and distribute um, parts on both the OEM and the aftermarket side. And one of the things that they were challenged with is in one product line, you know, a single product line, they're dealing with seventeen thousand SKUs or individual products because of all the customizations that they deal with in that industry. And it was interesting as we talked to them, their executives really were struggling with how their margin was playing out, right They felt like, boy, I feel like we're doing better than this. I feel like we're you know they that 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 at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter we should we should end up in a better place. And ultimately, their challenge was that they had just such a a breadth of product lines in every one of their in in kind of every one of the individual product lines that got down to the product that they were not really digging in. They hadn't applied an analytics process. They had applied a reporting process. And when you're in a reporting process and a reporting mindset, if you have 17,000 individual products inside a product line, you have to summarize it because you can't print a 17,000 line report every month. Um, And so As they started to dig in and started to just apply very basic, that low hanging fruit, as you mentioned, analytics, it became incredibly obvious in two areas where they were struggling. One was they were seeing deeper discounting on certain products that were really pulling and and that discounting was mostly driven by what was also identified was Overproducing for certain parts, certain components, and it was pulling their it was pulling their overall margin down because they were working through this challenge. And until they they got in an analytics versus a reporting mindset, and until they looked at it differently, until we were able to tell a story to their executives in a way that they could understand, which is it, it, it's. I laugh about it and it's it's to me it's <laughs> it's one of those things like it was one of the simplest visualizations that we that we could do but it made it so clear to their leadership and their executives you know it resulted in almost a 40 million dollar impact to the business in the first year and then when that Got codified into a different way of looking at it. When an analysis became part of how they did business, you know that wasn't just forty million dollars the first year. That was, you know, a, an economic impact to them, a financial impact to them for years to come. And it, it and you know, we had when all when all is said and done, we had the senior vice president of the area say to us, "I've I've been here." For 17 years, and this is the first time I've truly understood how this impacts our margins um, at such a granular level.
0: That's it's, it's amazing. I mean, 17 years is a long time to kind of be missing out on, on that kind of insight. And I don't know if you agree with me, but you know, I, I mentioned before that it, it seems to me like there is mo- this is becoming more and more. Common to have these opportunities to find, you know, what we're calling low-hanging fruit, and you know, I, I think about, you know, why that might be, and and it, it seems to me one of the reasons is, you know, lots of companies have built up their data assets over the past number of years, and now as we hear all the time, right, there's lots of data out there, big data, um, it's sitting there, and now the question is, you know, what do we do with that? How do we get anything out of it? And then even asking the right Questions for a business leader to ask: the right question. What are my challenges? How can this data help me solve those challenges? And how can I throw, you know, analytics against it and get some insights back without reading, as you, you said, a you know, fifteen thousand line report? Um, that, it, it it just seems more common now. And um, I, I think another reason um, that had come up a number of years ago is we were come up, uh, entering the financial crisis and coming out of that. Um, and I, I think about that now, with as we've talked about, sort the economic situation being a little bit muddy right now, and where things are going to go in this next year, um, where businesses, when they're doing well, they don't ask questions, right? Right. Absolutely. Well, nothing to fix. We'll, we'll just keep gliding along. And then, you know, that in our world, the business, you know, it doesn't stay that way for very long, right? Your, your competitors change and pick up on the fact that you're doing well and, and start to uh, replicate that or your customers and markets are, are changing. And um, we had a really interesting example in, in the retail industry of uh, exactly that. We were working with a client that was um, focused on and selling products that were focused on the, uh, the 65 plus age group market. At least that's what they thought. Um, and things were going extremely well. Just didn't have to uh, worry much about marketing, and uh, you know, putting uh, you know much thought into how they're uh, getting that product known to and, and advertised out to their customer base. Um, but things started to change a little bit, and they started to ask some questions on like, what's going on here. How do we, how do we uh, kind of right this ship? And um, in again, a, a great example of low hanging fruit is we just took some of their data. And found pretty quickly, you know, within a couple of days, that um, kind of asked them the question: Why are you focusing on? Why is it only 65 plus that you you target and market to? Um, because we found some opportunities in that 50 to 65 age range that are uh, maybe there aren't as many opportunities, but they're just as strong. The you know the, the tidbits that you can find in there. So um, you really you you can go a lot further by opening up your your market uh, to uh, you know another 15 years younger. And um, wow, it, it you know, sort of like your forty million dollar uh, result story, it, it really kind of turned things around for them, and they were you know began to see two to three times the response rates after uh, kind of putting that that insight in place. And uh, oh. again, it just sort of took you know in their in their case, sort of asking the question because of uh, a downturn, and uh, you know that being the impetus to look at data.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we had another situation really similar to that, where um, a, a, a smaller company um, was really trying to, they'd been in business for seven to 10 years seeing slow growth rates, right? Really slow growth rates. Um, and they came to us with a similar question, "You know, help us define our audience, right? How do we start to define our audience and how do we start to put the right in, the right messages in front of them, how do we how do we get them more engaged with us and how do we feed that not only with our audiences but with our sales team and and just overall helping helping to grow our brand but doing it essentially from the perspective of how how data can support that and w- this company um came to us and they were all over the board they had clients in all all different industries they were um they are an online auction company that was, you know, trying to be everything to everyone, and in, they, but they have tremendous amounts of data, right? They have they have data from people just visiting the site, they have people who are bidding, they have people who are selling product, all of that. And this is a higher end product, so this isn't like you know, this isn't like a a company that's. Um, you know, a, a seller is just getting on and listing something like you might have in an eBay or you think about Craigslist or something like that. Right. This is this is a little more this is more of a B2B and more of a, a a focused thing. But we help them really identify what was working best, what what was what was getting the most towards market value. They you know, they could go out and integrate some third party data to really understand the market value of the products. That were happening in the auction, so they could get a better feel for how those things should happen, and the results were amazing. As we started to feed data in, and we we helped them get focused, and they they determined they should really be focused on four or five verticals with really tight um, with really tight industry codes, and in looking at those industry codes, they really they they narrowed their efforts. They focused um, their information. They really took the ability to do some analysis around individual buyers and sellers and started messaging them like very in a very targeted manner, not only using the digital and online and and building um, building models. Of what to put in front of them from imagery and text standpoints and doing some testing. They took those same models and those same analytics and started applying them to their offline efforts Mm -hmm. as well. And over the last seven years, they've grown 20x, right? And you just, you know, I I think about that and I, I heard from them, I just talked to them a couple of weeks ago, in fact. Um, again, just just as we've kept ongoing discussions and built a relationship because we've been there from them being a a ten million dollar company to being a four hundred million dollar company to now getting to the point um, that they're this year it looks like they were going to grow another uh, another fifty to seventy percent right and they attribute a lot of that to the fact that they they started putting data at the forefront, right? They started taking not only the data that they needed, right? And making sure they were acquiring it, but looking for new data that could make their models, their analytics even stronger. So they weren't satisfied with everything that Google Analytics was collecting on their site for them. They started adding other tracking components as people were participating in auctions, browsing, doing other things to make sure it fed into what their models were like that then impacted their email communication, their, their other communication pop-ups that they would see on the site, interest information, intent information that would give them much more clarity into like their behavior of their buyers and sellers and 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 they've seen that exponential growth because they started to understand the importance of data determined that they needed to collect it and use it and are in that mode of and I know you I know how much you believe in this but continually like refining the model not saying okay we have a model and you know we've we've done what we need to do but continually refining it you know and testing Different components. I know. I know how much you believe in that, but
0: oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah. A, a static model is pretty useless after right, uh, right, you, Exactly. Yeah, you know, you know, two three months at most, usually. Um, and and the key thing I, I think with what you just said is, you know, of course, the collecting of the data and the acquiring of data assets, um, but it's it's really also is the using of it, right? D- right. Data for the sake of data is not going to uh, help any company grow, but. Um, the use of it, and that kind of maybe is the final tie back to uh, I know what we were talking about with educating students nowadays, but it's also really educating executives and others in the organization to know what kind of questions to ask and know who to bring in to help interrogate that data and solve some challenges. Yeah,
1: and I think the other thing that often gets overlooked there um, that 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 exact example has used very effectively is they've also not just been satisfied. With the data that they collect, they've gone out and sought out data sources that they know have a significant influence. Um, that those variables have a significant influence in what's happening in the markets that they serve, and they've gone out and gotten that third-party data that they need to to support what they're doing. Um, whether it's um, market conditions, whether it's more, I, I say macroeconomic things, but in in the micro areas that they're dealing with. Um, and whether that has to do with housing starts or other things that are going on in areas, they know how much that influences what what's happening in their business and they've leveraged it.
0: So, yeah, that's a, a huge component to being successful. Um, so, that, that's awesome, Bryce. Thanks for a couple of those stories. Um, and as we kind of close out here, I do want to. Uh, You know, we've talked a little bit about the economy and looking ahead to 2023. Um, What what are you uh, looking at for next year? How's it shaping up for you and any predictions for our industry?
1: Um, You know, I think to a point you made a little bit earlier, I think as the economy remains a little bit in flux. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of people predicting recession. There are people who are predicting that it it won't happen. Um, I think anytime you have that instability, uh, I think it's a really good opportunity for our industry because what what we can do is and in our industry is we can we can present the data. We can present not this, not emotional, not not the the component where 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 that uncertainty fits but where we can we can really provide what's happening we because of the way that the technology and models are put together today we we can not necessarily completely predict where it's going but we can give multiple multiple assumptions of where we think it'll go with different elements impacting it which i think helps leaders and executives really understand what the different potential outcomes are right um right. knowing and and then let them in you know let their expertise and their their understanding of what's going on have some influence on what in you know what direction the insights should go and 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 what to do with that right and to be able to yep. look at some of those things um from a perspective of being informed rather than it just being you know, looking at, at at what's happened historically.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I, I think one thing that tends to happen uh, in these murky economic times is pulling back on oh. things like marketing, for example. And uh, but, but I, I like to kind of tell folks that um, maybe there's a downturn, you know, maybe your growth is going to decline, maybe you'll even contract a bit. But um, you will still do better if you focus on on your data, focus on the analytics, continue your your programs, um, and, and continue smart and efficient marketing. Um, and so, perhaps there's a, a decline, but the decline could have been worse um, if you weren't doing those things. Yeah, and and I think that's just I think
1: that just adds to what we've been advising our clients is is the analytics side is probably the most important thing you can do right now because you if you're retracting some of your marketing spend which you know a a lot of companies are doing right now then you need to make sure that if you're if you're pulling back on that that you're not pulling back on the things that are working you're pulling back on the 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 least effective lower return kind of items and that's where really understanding how you're going to market what you're doing in those side on that side becomes critically important to those groups so
0: yeah yeah so there are fewer dollars um but you still have to put your incremental dollars in the right spot
1: exactly exactly
0: well thanks again bryce great conversation always fun to talk
1: absolutely you as well i appreciate the opportunity to to have a conversation these are always great so
0: thanks bryce thank you